Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about a game called Pendragon. Pendragon. Yes. So back in 1985, Greg Stafford published a box set called Pendragon, which is a role-playing game about playing in Arthurian myth. Basically, you play knights and you go on quests and you do all kinds of knightly things. Like I said, it was published in 1985 and it's still published today. I think the latest edition is called 5.2 Pendragon. So Arthurian myth has actually evolved, I suppose, because the knights in Arthurian myth are, because he was, uh, historically, he was a Welsh fighter, Arthur. Oh, At least the general consensus of, of historians is that's where where it comes from, when they were fighting the Romans. Well, I don't There weren't very many knights during that time. Right. I think that's one of the things that uh, that is interesting about the whole concept is that he, he Greg Stafford, uh, played around with this idea of, of the feudal system, of the way things were, and kind of projected them backwards to, well, he did it. It was, uh, it was uh, what's his name? Uh, so Thomas Mallory, who wrote uh, Le Mort, the author, which is uh, yes. the book that Greg Stafford based his rules on. Do you know what year he wrote the book? Who, Le Morto Arthur? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It was, it was pretty old. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. So it must have been during the early Middle Ages, late and late antiquity. I think it was like 1500s, but you might want to look that up. He probably went back if he's talking about the knightly codes and stuff. Right. And then those were done early on and they evolved. Be that as it may. Greg Stafford developed these rules, and I think he, he, you know, obviously wrote in 1985, and he was writing them before that, and D&D had become a thing, you know, obviously, but it wasn't, the Pendragon isn't a standard fantasy role-playing game, you know, it, it, there's no elves, well, well, there's no elves and dwarves and stuff like that, that you play as a player of characters, You're, everybody's a human knight, uh, usually from, uh, well, the round table, the round table around that area. Uh, this mythical uh, England. There is Fae. There's this like idea, this uh, this strange world, unknown world, and there's might be giants and barbaric people, and things that the knights will have to fight. But uh, fighting is not the main. Uh, combat is not the main thing about the game. That's Even, probably a good thing because knights died quickly. Well, and uh, yeah. So, so the game is is more about for me. I think it's more about political intrigue it's about obviously politics and there is and the, what is that the courtly love right yes the it's a, a knightly love knightly love right. um and it was published or thomas mallory published it in 1485 yeah it's pretty early on so yeah i mean that was a, a well for us it's a long time ago but uh but he was writing about what about 1000 bc or bc <laughs> wow uh, that's what, a long time ago <laughs> i mean what time period do you think he's writing about if he's uh, right about that Welsh guy. That's probably where the where the, the legend the comes from. from. Yeah. Rome was in Britain in BC, 70 BC, I think. Maybe a little bit. They might have been AD too. They stayed for quite a while. Well, they built Hadrian's Wall, which. right? I forget which. It was that general, you know, the one. No, I forget. His daughter, he had a, a son-in-law and daughter. He had boots. Caligula? No. That was little boots. It was Caligula. No, no, this was a. He was actually a general, not not Caligula. Well, uh, Caligula went with the army. It was that's obviously why, after. That's why they called him Caligula because <laughs> he needs little boots, and he would wear these little. 
army boots. Well, that, all that stuff doesn't matter because whether it's true or not or how much. It's just the, the history of the legend, right? Right. And that's what basically what you're talking about. You're talking about this mythic Arthur and, you know, because it has magic and magical swords and stuff like that. So it is mythology. And so around this mythology is what is what Greg Stafford wrote Pendragon around. That's an interesting idea. So he went away from typical D&D. Right, going into dungeons and hacking and slashing, and the idea of having a single character for an extended period of time, and you basically develop that character and you know add more experience, he becomes more and more powerful. And basically, the way D and D was written is that he becomes uh, like a king. You know, he starts drawing followers and all this other stuff, and settles down and stuff like that. So, but. Most players, I don't think, got that far. They would just adventure, adventure, adventure. Depending depending on what D and D, A D and D is usually the one I, people play the most, or early on, especially around nineteen eighty five, was you probably retire around twentieth level because there was no. I don't think there was any rules beyond that. There might and have been, it's really hard to run games for people that are that high level, right? Right. Yeah, you you become godlike and start going into the hell. Although I know the kids love that, like the, <laughs> by kids I mean my son and his friends love the idea of playing incredibly powerful characters. But a knight character, do you start out as a squire in Pendragon and right. work your way up? Right, that's the whole idea. And the thing is, is that Greg Stafford looks at characters differently than D and D people who create D and D. He wants people to have that feeling of their mortality is is right there well there's that but no i'm talking about the idea like sir thomas mallory when he wrote the author book a lot of the characters would come up to a situation and they would make the wrong decision even though they knew it was the wrong decision right like lancelot falling in love with uh guinevere guinevere and and there's other instances where uh good knights falter and so to mimic that kind of... But that's part of the knight's tale. I mean, right. and I don't mean Chaucer. I mean, the actual, when you're a knight, you have to make decisions. And you're never going to make the right decision all the time. Saul Greg, lost his train of thought Greg, there. Greg Stafford, Greg Stafford wanted to mimic that kind of element in the game. Right. So instead of like, in D&D, you know, you have this alignment system, which is kind of weird. And, and even today, people still use it. Uh, I'm pretty much it done. It does kind of help you with the with the character if you if you're not used to it, the alignment system. Yeah. So in Pendragon you don't have that. Right. So yeah, but I was going to say, you know, yeah, for in D&D I've, most people I think most people are tr- getting rid of or going away from this alignment system. But in Pendragon there is no alignment system. What he what he came up with was a series of traits and the traits are there's two traits for everything and they're polar opposites of each other. For example, there is chaste and lustful, right? Mm-hmm. So just this would, might be what uh, Lancelot failed his role on, right? So the and the, what's really cool about these traits is that they range from from modesty and the opposite of that, which is greed or whatever, and uh, what is it, merciful and cruel? Uh, like I said, chaste and lustful, and so there's these polar opposite traits that that are part of your character sheet. And what they represent is anytime you don't know or the GM feels that you should have to make a roll to see if you do what you're trying to do, you roll on this, you roll against this okay. trait. Right. And these traits are, are from 1 to 20, and the total is 20. So if your lustful is 12, then your modest, your chaste is 8. So they add up to 20. And what you do is when you're trying to, well, usually you're trying to be chaste, right? You're trying to be the good guy. 
and you roll, you roll 20 side die. And if you roll under, you made it, you do the right thing. But if you roll over, you do the upset thing. So if you are making a chase roll and you fail, then you be, let your, your lustfulness, lustful, lustfulness come, out. come out. Right. So what this really does, and I think, I really think this is an amazing part of his character. I mean, his game, uh, Greg Stafford's game is that, is that it helps you not play yourself. Because a lot of people, when they play role-playing games, they play an aspect of themselves. They don't usually come up with their own char a character that is completely opposite them and then role-play. You know, they're not like... Because it's hard to do that. It's hard to be like that actor kind of thing. But what this system does, you forego that, right? So you have to role-play whatever this die roll tells you to do. And, you know, it may not be a decision you, you yourself as a player would make, but there it is. So you have to role-play something that is not necessarily a decision you would make. And I think that's interesting. I think that's what role-playing is, is stepping outside your own life and your own world and playing a different character. Now, some people may not like that. I understand that. I don't that. know if I would like that. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of control that you're giving up, so to speak. But what what, but what happens is is that you, you have encounters and you have experiences with, through your character that most people, you know, well, most people are not, not going to be able to kill dragons and stuff. But this is even more of a R-O-L-E plane than R-O-L-L plane, right? And I think that's really fascinating. I think a lot of people who come across this and really and like it, they really like it, right? So that helps them play knights and play that, you know, sometimes that tragic knight, you know, who doesn't make the right decision. Because if you play D&D Paladin, for example, a Paladin in D&D, you can make the right decision every single time. Every single if you time. choose to. If you choose to as, as a character. And in this case, you know, you might you might fail at your, uh, uh, at your uh, modest role and be uh, proud. Modest. Be proud. And, and you might fail at being uh, merciful and you might, might be cruel. Because sometimes people do that, right? They fail at what they know they should do, what is considered So basically right. it's like, it, oh, like whenever I play a D&D &D character, I always play chaotic. Yes. Because that you way. You like that freedom. <laughs> I, I think that, I, well, no, I think it's more realistic, right? Okay. So I think what you're saying is the same. Yes. That they're, everybody's going to make choices as they go along. And when you're playing a role-playing game, obviously you're going to make choices then. But um, it's, it's a very interesting idea because I think it's more human because people are obviously going to be cruel sometimes and right. not other times yeah and they may not even mean to be cruel but so if you're rolling the dice and you're cruel then i can see how you didn't actually want to do that right but right. you did it anyway yes and people do do that do those things in real life yeah. yes so i really like this is because like i said it kind of forces you to play beyond your what you normally would do i think sometimes and and i think that when you're that being being that creative and that and you're stepping outside your normal bounds, I think that's when when people you know, really have really come with interesting uh, things you wouldn't expect. Right. right. So you're playing squires and Correct. how how deadly is the world? Is it normal deadly for the. Yes. For it's the ancient deadly. That's another thing. It, antiquity. <laughs> yes. Because if you get stabbed and it hurts, it, it not only hurts, but most likely you're going to die from it um well, if you, you get armor. stabbed through the shoulder <laughs> yeah but armor only protects you so much everybody knows how to get through armor you go through the under the well, under armor things like well, that. well this is this is not total simulated simulated game i'm just saying so armor actually helps you uh not take damage it absorbs damage it, it takes damage away from the hit now depending on how much damage 
a person a knight is doing sometimes it uh, armor is not enough I mean, right i think because uh, flails and things like that are gonna are gonna well especially when you and then there's you know you're playing with lances and stuff and jousting yeah. and stuff so you could take for example most people do between 4d6 damage and 6d6 depending on how big or how strong they are and and that damage is based on your how big and how strong you are right there's two there's two uh attributes that that come combined. are there healers in this game no not so. really they, they there's there's uh, people who have surgery skill and they basically they stabilize you <laughs> and but if they mess up they could actually hurt you right so that sucks that's about right yes right and the skill ranges there's all kinds of skills obviously it's, it's a 1985 game so there's a ton of skills and they range usually from zero to to 20 though i think you could possibly have skills higher than that but then you basically you roll under you roll to d20 and if you roll under that number then you succeed but people have skills like three four six so it's terrible to try to that's normal right <laughs> so that that's another thing is the skills the skills are it's all based on d20 there's multitude of skills i mean there's falconry dancing you know, uh, so the characters are are very very well rounded. Usually, as far as not well rounded, but there's a lot of skills to choose from. So, like you said, you start off as a squire, and you're trying to your goal is to become a knight, and then go from there. So most squires are young when they start. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you start off really young, and as you get older, you, you're watching the knights train. You're in that's part of the that's part of your service as a. I, right. I'm talking historically. historically I don't not, know not about Pin Dragon, <laughs> but. So as you get as you get older and you get more skilled at things, then then you go out with the knights on whatever. Usually you go anyway and carry their stuff. You have and to help yeah, you, dress them and all that. Their, so are they going to tournaments since it's Arthurian? I mean, it depends on what the GM wants to do, right? So so what kind of quests are they? And is there political intrigue? Of course, of course. There's all kinds of stuff. Well, if, I haven't really played a campaign. I've only played one shots or single adventures. And usually you start off as a squire. Usually. And you are usually just helping out, doing stuff. And but, but sometimes you get sent out, you know, as a squire to go do stuff. You know, go, you know, go on a hunt or go take this somewhere. And you could take all the other squires too, right? So you, your band of squires, go off and do stuff. And and that's how you, you know, you're that's trying how you to gain experience. It. That's how you gain glory. They call it glory, not experience. I understand. So everything you do gives you glory, right? You know, if you you what is it? If you fight well in a, in a tournament, if you because even in tournaments, squires would fight. Um, or you know, okay, they would most likely dress their knights and well after and, you know before the big uh, yes they it, might they, they might, might they would definitely practice yes. for sure and it, they might actually you know be squires that you know have like if squire they're tournaments. if they're close to gaining their spurs or whatever do they say that because I have no idea I'm okay that's idea. that's what okay never mind yeah, those my stars what do we all with that first comment. So you start off as squires, and like I said, it's a, like you said, it's a pretty deadly system. It is pretty deadly. What happens is, is that is in itself is different than the monolithic Dungeons and Dragons, right? Because if you die, there is no resurrection spell. You're dead. So there's no you, magic. Yeah, there is magic, but it's the Fae have magic. Oh, the, so there are elves or Fae. Uh, well, yeah, sure. It depends, you know, how you want to run the game for example the first edition the box edition included no magic you couldn't you wield magic as a player character but uh when fourth edition came out they added magic and the fourth edition has all kinds of rules that they added to it i mean it's a pretty thick book it's deadly 
and you're not out there, you know, adventuring and, you know, becoming stronger and stronger, you know, you gain a little bit of your glory, you gain a little bit of bonuses to skills and stuff, but you don't really get ultra-powerful like you do in Dungeons & Dragons. You're always susceptible to a good charge from a lance and could kill you, you know. So there's that aspect is that is that you you can't go charging into everything thinking you're going to win, you know. So that's where the intrigue comes in and you have to, you know, sometimes you got to work around things and not charge you know, willy-nilly into battle so is there is is there a king or like is it like uther pendragon is the leader of the of a certain section is it are they are the areas held by different knights yeah i think it, it mimics the the mythology of king arthur so you know in the original rule book greg stafford he mapped out you know he has a map of england he has a you know where where uh Camelot is and stuff like that, but it all depends on the period of which you start playing. So there's a period of of like Uther being Pendragon, I guess, is which is King Arthur's father. Father, and it goes through the whole. And there's different supplements and books that that you know they have a timeline, so you can enter the timeline. You know, start the GM will start the campaign anywhere he wants in that Arthur Mytherian mythology legend timeline, and it depends on what's going on at the time to. To, for your adventures or for so the is there a, is there a quest to go and find the the sword in the lake the, I don't know I don't okay. I don't know enough about that but there is called the the great <clears throat> Ben dragon campaign which is about 432 page campaign wow. book. and it was published in 2006 it's highly sought after it's you know if you try to buy it on eBay it's worth usually try to get like 100 150 dollars for it it's out of print unfortunately and it's this huge campaign where it takes you from the beginning of before other pendragon becomes king all the way to the death of arthur and beyond it's obviously a very long campaign and your character will not live that long so that's another aspect of pendragon is because your character is is short-lived usually you only go on one adventure a year because that's just the way it is, and then you have a winter phase where you where you usually heal because you get hurt, and you manage your an estate if you have an estate. So you, there's all kinds of rules about managing estates, and and so it's much more than just going out and venturing, killing things, and taking their stuff. There is this this whole idea that you got to take care of a manor or whatever you and all the people on it and all the people on it <clears throat> and stuff like that. So and that's usually the winner because like. The, that's, That's exactly the way that it works or worked. <laughs> yeah. and, the... and nobody likes to fight in the winter, I suppose. It's too cold. It is. Well, it's not too cold, but yeah. Well, that's true. Depending on where it is. So what happens is, is your character ages, right? And it, there's aging problems, right? When you get older, you can't swing a sword so much. So you, be, you know, if you live that long. So another aspect of this Pendragon, Pendragon game is that a family. You become, your character is really a family instead of like one single person. So as you go, as your you go. son inherits, right. your second son becomes a knight. Yes. And that whole, your third son goes you, into the priestly right. class. Like, exactly. So currently I know a friend of mine, Shannon, I'll drop his name on, even though Mike says not to use names. Shannon is <laughs> he's running the great pan dragon campaign and he's been running it for three years. Morgan is in that game. So Morgan, when he first started playing, he was, he was losing knights like crazy, right? Cause he'd go charging into battle and you know, Shannon doesn't pull no punch. He goes, okay. He goes up, oh, up. Oh. You know, 36 points of damage. Oh, I'm dead. Yep, you're dead. Okay. Roll up another character, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so Morgan has this huge extended family because all right. kinds of people are dead. Well, that that <laughs> that is very realistic, right? Because you shouldn't 
I mean, nights, <laughs> even tournaments are very dangerous. Yes. I mean. I found that out. The thing is, is that you're wearing armor, you're on a horse, you're you're galloping, and then you are being hit with a, a very sharp, if, it, if it's a lance, a very sharp pointed wooden stick yes. and it's going to go through you and cause serious problems and healing at the time was uh, hit or miss unless you had a, a woman healer or a man healer who knew what were herbs to use right usually each manor house had a healer so oh, but sure. still i mean well there, there might be you know there might be some you know it might not be totally realistic how fast or how long it takes for you to heal but it's pretty it's it's pretty brutal it's like old D D. you know you hit you you gain one hit point per day Yes. Well, that makes sense. I, I mean, that, that part of it, that makes sense. The history aspect and the family aspect, of course, because that's how it works, right? Right. And so what, what a lot of people who play this game and play it often or they really get into the mythos, like my, fr- like my, my friends Morgan and Shannon, you know, everybody in that, in that group that plays with them has their family tree, right? They came up with their own family tree. Which is tree, very important. Which is very important. And it's really cool, right? Because they, they have their characters. Yeah. And, like, a lot of the characters get killed. So they have, like, you know, died here. And so there's all kinds of offshoots of, like, you know, uncles and cousins and stuff like that. So so the intrigue part comes in when are you are you going to tournaments to win for your king? Or are you going out to adventure? Where's the intrigue? I want oh, to know the, what the entry well, is. Well, a lot of it is just there's always the, the bad night, right? There, there's something going on over here in this part of uh, the kingdom. Uh, what's going on? And usually, you know, it's pretty straightforward. There's pigs, there's still savages are, are hey, causing trouble. Hey, hey, or hey. Saxons, even worse. They're, they're you know, landing yeah. on the, the shore and you have to Vikings. Fight, them, fight them off. And so there's all kinds of that stuff. But at the same time, there might be somebody, you know, working, death, working with the Saxons. And you got to yeah. find out who that who that person is. You know, maybe there's a there's a manor out there that hasn't been attacked by Saxons. Why? So you go over there and check it out and blah, blah, blah. So it could be a number of things. It could be you know, obviously anything that the GM could come up with. There's a, quite a, there's a few, and I won't say quite a few, there's a few uh, supplements and, and adventures. Uh, and I'm sure if you go online, you can find, you know, uh, what is it, uh, fan-made adventures. And, of course, and because stuff. fans make adventures all the time. <laughs> if you go online, you'll definitely find it. Yeah, and so, so this is this is a very different experience than Dungeons and Dragons. I think people who like it and people who really like it are it's almost like a cult following, right? Because D and D is a niche kind of a hobby, right? Though it has grown, I'm gonna admit it's gone hugely. It's gone hugely it's popular, gone, repopular. Uh, it's yeah. become popular Again. when it wasn't popular when we were kids. <laughs> well, it was popular, but it wasn't only for a certain segment of the population. Was, yes, but it was popular, right? The the what is it? The, the idea. I think I think we've already talked about it. The yes. the live plays and the current generation have find it absolutely fascinating that you can role play these these especially D and D right yes. or even whatever they whatever, whatever game whatever game it might be game. vampire yeah. or whatever they they play but um this is it would be a, people who either and i'm going to tell you right now that any woman that reads romance novels historical romance novels set in before regency usually is going are going to what do you mean by regency the regency era in england what does that mean a regency is when somebody there's a king but he's too young so a regent a uh, regent, okay, yes, a regent, yes, is installed. Yes. To manage the uh, whatever. 
Usually it's a uncle or sometimes the the queen will do it if her husband, it, but she has advisors and stuff. Of so, course. Which brings a lot of intrigue in. So any woman or any man who, I don't know if men read romance novels. Oh, but sure there is. Me and my friends read them all the time. And the historical aspects, some are more, are, are better than others. But you get the same, you get the ideas of knightly love, courtly behavior. And, right. And you discover that. People are people, right? Because it's romance novels, right? It's a very interesting idea. Historically, I like I like the idea of uh, knights fighting because that was my time period when I well they were more itinerant kings and their their band of mercenaries. But you know, it's basically the same thing. Political intrigue, I think, would be most interesting in this because you could do things like you know, there is a regent, maybe it's the queen, and because the king got killed and so there's going to be all kinds of people vying for power either right. to marry the queen to become the regent or uncles or things like it that could be i mean the thing is is that it could be anything you know you're talking about this feudal system or of political system i guess you might want to call it a political system it organization was. and within that system and if you look at any period of history there was intrigue all over the place right i mean if you look at roman history people being were born yes being born to the purple was a very bad was yeah, not you, bad i mean it was good and bad because you may dangerous. not live until, until to become anything you know like you could be like some you know, nice noble somewhere you know related to the king and then the king dies and then like oh hmm. then there's assassins at and your door and then, no yeah exactly and they're like oh so you're like fourth in line for the throne maybe this is the... why you have tasters when you eat food and so you're like now you're you know you're because you're fourth in line you might be a threat to whoever assumes the throne whether or not you want the throne right or not. it could be very very that intrigue could you know, there's all kinds of things that you can play with those kind of things. And you just look at history and, and it's amazing how many just familiar, familial people will kill each other for the throne or threat of the throne. Well, they might kill me. I mean, that's when some of most of these people went nuts. Right. They start killing everybody in their family because they might be a threat. And then. So that that just goes on whether the person's nuts or not. So <laughs> then it gets strangled by a eunuch and become emperor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you have to be really careful if you... Well, and knights who held manners for the king yes. basically is what they did. Right. And that can happen in Pendragon. And you have to be really... One, you have to be brutal to get to that area, to be that person, right? Because to be that strong, to hold that property and have all those people that you have to take care of, sometimes you have to make rough decisions, right? Well, I mean, this is... This is an idealized uh, version of. Remember, it's it's Arthurian. So it's sanitized. Yeah, a little bit. So within the niche of hobbying that is D and D or role playing, you know, this Pendragon is even smaller, right? But obviously, there's a lot of uh, what is it? There's a lot of interest in Pendragon. People still play it. People still buy the book. Pendragon went from Greg Stafford sold the rights to you know a couple different well he sold it to one person that person sold it to somebody else and it went you know it went it got jumbled and finally it went back to greg stafford or chaosism chaosism which is the original publisher and you know unfortunately last year greg stafford passed away and right now they're just starting to republish or they've just published uh, the 5.2 book again so of all the publications you know there's a first edition there was a second edition that was written but never published there was a third edition published, fourth edition, which I personally own, and I think it's probably the one with the most amount of information because it's it included quite a bit of stuff in that book, like it included stuff about the Saxons, about the Picts, where in other in other 
editions, it was an additional supplement that you would have to buy. Fifth edition streamlined a lot of things. They made things a little bit simpler. And then 5.2, they 5.1 came out. They fixed a lot of the typographical errors. And then 5.2, they decided to change it and make a same rules and everything, but they changed the art. And it's a really pretty book. It's probably the, the one with the best art. It's color. It's really nice. And it's probably... Do we own this book too? Yes. Well, that one we do own. I thought you said we only own the fourth edition one. <laughs> he doesn't tell me all the books. He's like, he's like, well, anyway, I won't say that. So what happened? What I'll tell you how I got the fifth. The fifth I don't even want to know. Paladin came out. Paladin, which is an offshoot, uses the same rules as Pendragon. Which I'm currently reading and getting ready to run a game for the guys. And I love it because it's, all, it's about Charlemagne. Yes, it's about Charlemagne <laughs> instead of King Arthur. And when they did the Kickstarter, they said, oh, we'll give you, we'll give you, we'll, as an add-on, you can have Pendragon 5.2 for like 30 or $40, which is cheaper than the list price. So I go, yeah, they're on there. But Paladin, you know, took a long time. Uh, unfortunately, Stuart Wick, who was doing the, the Kickstarter, passed away unexpectedly. He was 50 years old. He died fencing. He died doing something to love and he died instantly. I guess he had a, a massive coronary or something. And unfortunately, you know, he left a lot of things out on the table. There was another game called uh, Acalare, which is a Spanish a Spanish role-playing game played in the, in Spain, in the Middle Ages. And, you know, it took a long time to fulfill. I'm actually just lucky that those books got published because, you know, when the publisher dies or the person who dies, you know, who knows what could happen. Uh, luckily for the people who kickstarted it, his brother and his wife kept it, kept it going and now... You know, they've been publishing books ever since then. Unfortunately, you know, he passed away and then Greg Stafford passed away. And now they're publishing uh, the book. At, the original uh, publisher, Chaosium, is publishing the book. And I think that's pretty neat. I think it's pretty neat that it's gone back to the to the company that first started. And Chaosium is the same people who put out Call of Cthulhu and, and stuff like that. So, uh, and, and he wrote a bunch of other stuff, Greg Stafford. Uh, Glorantha, he did all kinds of different. Uh, he worked on uh, Rune Quest. It's pretty neat, and he used to go to DungeonCon, which is a pretty interesting thing, and run games, uh, Pendragon games. If you look at, what's interesting is if you go to DungeonCon website, they have previous DungeonCon uh, books, you know, of their of their uh, of their cons, and you know, you see that Greg Stafford ran Pendragon here and there at that thing. So Pendragon, uh, it is a very, has kind of a cultish following, I think, because it's it's not, not easy to get into, right? And you, you have to have a certain mentality about what you want out of a role-playing game to enjoy uh, the game that is Pendragon with its with its push for more role-playing and less combat and less motor hoboing, right? There you go. And a longer, you know, yeah, a longer type of game than Kill Monsters take their stuff and gain a level which Saul likes to play too oh yeah 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 but you know it would be really neat to play in a long you know campaign of pendragon or paladin coming up next so this is a really good game it's being published right now you can go buy it it really is a beautiful book the rules are interesting if you like authorian legend which a lot of people who are my age you know you know that's one of the reasons why we got into D was the the myth of author and swords and sorcery along with lord of the rings of course but you know, this was a you know bef- this is a, even more popular than Lord of the Rings for a long period of time. And uh, you know, there's the Sword in the Stone when you're a little kid in the cartoon and Excalibur. Wow, you're going way back. <laughs> Excalibur. <laughs> so there's a bunch of a bunch of movies based on this time period. Robin and Marion, which is a little bit more. That's know, not. Yeah, 
Robin, no, Rob, not Robin Marion. This one, you went to a totally different place. <laughs> wrong, wrong mythology. But anyway, I really think it's a cool, cool system. I played it quite a bit in a one shot, and it's a lot of fun. So go out and buy it. Yes, if or you like. find it, or find somebody who's running it and play a game. Yeah, if, especially if you like really good role playing type of uh, situations. Just remember, be careful. You can get hurt easily. Yes, wear your armor. The world is <laughs> the world is a dangerous place. Thank you for listening. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. You have a good day. <laughs>